Hey guys, Cable here, and this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by the First Light Sawtooth Hybrid Jacket. This thing is, well, it's very quickly become my favorite piece that I have in essentially any kit, whether you're in the backcountry or the back 40, chasing that big white tail, doesn't matter. The Sawtooth Hybrid Jacket is a must-have. Sometimes I wear it as my outerwear piece. Sometimes I wear it as my second layer. It just depends on how cold the temperature is, but it's so easy to layer up or layer down with First Light's you know, system from the merino wool to something like the, the sawtooth to the Uncompadre puffy jacket. Um, you can find all of them at firstlight.com, but do yourself a favor and put that sawtooth hybrid on your Christmas list. You will be glad that you did. There's no doubt about that. First Light, go farther, stay longer. The sun's going down on me, thoughts of her keep on me, desperation's taking hold. My hands are on the steering wheel, but my heart's back in Louisville at the far end of the thousand miles of road. Howdy, 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 friends. Cable Smith welcoming everybody to the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. It is great to be here talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks today. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well, our longtime presenting sponsors. Uh, man, we've got a great show to get into today. But before we do that, isn't this a great time of the year? I mean, if the bucks haven't been rutting in your area, whew, they're about to start, I tell you that. Uh, it is heating up, and wow, truly, I don't think there's anything better in the great outdoors than watching bucks running does, bucks beating the hell out of each other. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful time of year. Unfortunately, where I live anyway, the waterfowl split is upon us, so no more duck hunting for, well, just one more week. Uh, certainly looking forward to, and it's sad. I can't even believe that I'm admitting this because duck hunting is my first love, and I haven't been. Uh, other things have been consuming my life. I, I am... I mean, I'm mad at myself, to be honest with you, because Belle is looking at me like, come on, bro. It's cold outside. I know we're supposed to be chasing those ducks right now, and you're a real son of a bitch because we haven't gone one time. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, my brother came and got her last weekend and took her, so uh, they went out on a, a public land hunt. So at least she's gotten to uh, get out there and fetch a couple ducks. But I'm going to make it up to her after the split. My goal is to go 12 times. 12 times in the last uh, six weeks of the season. I think it's very doable. Um, we've got a great show lined up for you today. Like I said, off the top, my better half will be here. We just got back from our 10-year anniversary trip to the Dominican Republic. No kids, um, no stress about this Oklahoma lease nightmare, which we'll get into later, uh, which was great for me. I certainly needed a break away from all of that. And... You know, I know the whitetail were rutting here, but trust me, I was rutting pretty hard down there in the Caribbean myself. <laughs> She'll kill me if she hears me say that. Uh, but off the top, Mrs. Smith will be here because on that trip, we went on an offshore fishing excursion. How did that go for her? 
eh, there might have been some natural chumming going on. Uh, but my better half will be here, and we will talk a little blue water fishing coming up here in just a minute. After that, our old friend Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics joins us. Always great talking to Mark, who just got back from Alaska. We'll talk about a very uh, budget-friendly moose hunt that he did, uh, among other things. Also, the new Razer AMG. This scope, man, there was like a year wait on getting this bad boy. Uh, that's how many people wanted it. I finally got mine, and we're going to discuss it, um, as well as some other backcountry, you know, lightweight options. And then what about the future of range-finding binoculars? Do, does Mark think that they'll displace handheld rangefinders. I'm going to ask him that as well. I have no idea what he's going to say because he probably wants everyone to have one of each, right? <laughs> but uh, we'll get into all sorts of stuff with Mark. And then at the bottom of the hour, we got to put a little bow on this Oklahoma lease nightmare. I left y'all hanging last week. You know, I, I basically said we had left it with, I was going to get the money, a full refund from my original landowner, or I was going to sue him. And then I was going to give that money to the new landowner, right? Simple enough. She seemed happy with that arrangement, and then we could finish out the season. So is everything hunky-dory, or did the plot thicken? Hmm. People will do really shady things when there's big deer involved, and we will get into that at the bottom of the hour. I'm sure many of you have similar experiences, but this one's mine. And uh, I'd love for you to email your experiences in. I read some of them actually on the air last week, or you can post them on my Facebook page, whatever you want. But love to hear your experiences uh, when it comes to leasing land and uh, the nightmare and headache that it can be. Uh, that's what's on the docket for today. Going to be interesting, that is for sure. Let's do this. Um, let's take a quick break. Oh, oh, also, don't forget, our November photo of the month contest is going on right now. And to enter your best hunting, fishing, or outdoor photo into this month's contest for a chance to win the Executioner pop-up blind from GSM Outdoors, you just need to get me that picture. You can do it on Facebook, email, or Instagram. Take your pick. Give me the picture. And then our monthly winners from this year will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt black buck or trophy axis deer with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. Uh, quick giveaway. I've got a Havilon Talon. This is the new fillet knife. You can use it for any wild game or fish. It comes with all kinds of blades. Really an incredible knife. I've uh, been using the hell out of mine for all of my processing. We're going to give one away. All you have to do to throw your hat in the ring is just email the word Talon. That's Talon, like an eagle's Talon, to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered into this week's giveaway. Let's take a break. Coming up next, my better half, my beautiful bride of 10 years jumps on, and we'll discuss her first offshore fishing trip. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Now I ain't the toughest hickory that your axe has ever fell, but I'm a hickory just as well. I'm a hickory all the same. Hey guys, I keep telling you about iSocial Boost. If you are an aspiring outdoorsman or woman looking to increase your brand and possibly attract sponsors from within the outdoor community, then you need to use iSocial Boost. It's how you grow your Instagram page. You get real followers 
based off of hashtags that you choose. That's right. iSocialBoost.com. Here's the great thing. If you use my promo code LONESTAR, you'll get 80% off your first week. So how do you know it works and that cable's just not blowing smoke up your ass? Well, here's the thing. When I signed on with iSocialBoost, I created a brand new page. My other uh, Lone Star Outdoor Show stuff is well established. So I wanted to see what iSocialBoost could do from the ground up, from the very beginning. Check it out. My page is a hunter's legacy on Instagram. And I literally post like two or three times a week, maybe every other day. And I already have over 8,000 followers. Now, some of you are thinking, shoot, I don't even have 8,000 followers and I'm working my ass off. So you need to be using isocialboost.com. Um, also, use that promo code, LOMESTAR, get 80% off your first week. No strings attached. If you're not happy, you can cancel at any time. It's a great deal. iSocialBoost.com. Check it out. Live Oak Outdoors offers some of the best waterfowl hunting in the Central Flyway. Hunting over 2,000 acres of cut rice along the coast that attracts wintering geese by the tens of thousands. Hunts take place out of layout blinds or white parkas over a spread of 1,500 decoys. It's also common to shoot pintail and other puddle ducks in the goose spread. Professional guides make sure you have a safe and memorable hunt of a lifetime. They're based out of El Campo, Texas. Check them out at liveoakoutdoors.com or you can book your hunt by calling Chris Slimp at 832-466-9646. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Three Curl Outfitters is now offering guided North Texas quail hunts just 30 minutes south of DFW if you're looking for a quality quail hunt close to home, planning a company outing, or just looking for a place to tune up your dogs. You need to give them a call. Hunts are $250 a hunter for a half-day hunt. That includes 15 birds, and you can add extra birds for $8 a piece if you want to give your bird dog just a little more run. You're welcome to bring your own dogs. Otherwise, the guide and dog fee is $150 a day for your entire group. That's not per person. Go to 3curl.com or call 214-641-8097 to book your hunt today. Howdy, folks. This is Aaron Watson, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show with my buddy Cable Smith. She keeps it all together, I always come around She's cool, calm, and collected, I want to paint the town She's like a Sunday morning, I'm a dance on Saturday night She's like a stained glass window There he is, our very own Aaron Watson, bringing us back That looks the name of that one And the lady that uh, still drives me wild with that look Is sitting here in studio with me uh, we just celebrated 10 years together and went down to the Caribbean, the island vibes of the Dominican Republic, which was a much needed getaway for me personally with everything that's been going on with the Oklahoma lease situation, with life in general, just kids and work, and it's nice to get away and uh, and reconnect with your spouse. So that's what we did. Not that... You know, things were bad at home, but goodness gracious, it's been 10 years since Aaron and I had a beach vacation like this where it was just us. So uh, we're going to get into what well, y'all don't care about that. What you do care about, though, is 
what did we do when we were there, which was go offshore fishing. And, I mean, it's no big deal that I went, but I convinced her to go. Uh, probably not the way that she envisioned spending her 10-year anniversary. Uh, but we're going to get into that here in just a second because it was a hell of a wild ride uh, with her and a bunch of other tourists on that boat. I tell you what, uh, I, and I, I felt bad for her, but seriously, inside, I was giggling at the whole situation. Now, this segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. They lead by example, always have, for instance, uh, Executive Director Corey Mason and President Carl Evans spent the Thanksgiving holidays in Namibia at the uh, annual NAFA meeting. And, and that tells me all I need to know. When the leadership of a group put conservation ahead of spending time with their own families during the holidays, that's an organization I want to be a part of. You can join us by going to biggame.org. Love to have you. Uh, all right. Well, with that being said, let's go ahead and check in with my better half, the one who honestly uh, almost oh, dang near 10 years ago took a chance on her husband of about 10 months. I think that's how long we'd been married at the time and supported him when he decided he wanted to start an outdoor radio show. <laughs> Little did we know that 10 years later, uh, we would still be doing this and that it would be successful because of you guys and gals listening and because of our sponsors supporting the show. Uh, but it was because of her belief in me and her support that this was possible. Because let me tell you, folks, uh, having an outdoor radio show is not a get-rich-quick scheme. So... Uh, we're doing okay now, but those first couple of years, it was like, oh man, I hope that uh, we're not in the red this year. So I owe it all to her and she puts up with me going out of town all the time, chasing various critters all over God's green earth. And I do believe there's a saying about, you know, behind every good man, there's a much better woman. <laughs> That's definitely the case with us. And so without further ado, Aaron, thank you for being here, love. Thanks. It's great to have you. No, I'm thrilled. You always are. So I wanted to discuss a recent fishing excursion that we went on. A little backstory, though. This was our 10-year anniversary trip, which was right in the middle of the rut. And I don't, I'm still trying to figure out how we ended up getting married in the middle of November. You proposed to me in November, and we got married a year later. Oh. I think it was more like it went like, I'm not getting married during duck or deer season. And your parents were like, well, if you want any help paying for the wedding, then you're getting married when we say. I don't think so. It didn't go like that. Yes, at all. it did. <laughs> you <laughs> said no. It absolutely went like this. This what? is when the venue is open and this is when you're getting married. Yeah, either be there. That's what it was. This is when the venue is open, not so my parents. Either be there or don't. Well, either way. Uh, we got married when we did, <laughs> and you weren't a deer hunter then, so. I sure was a duck hunter. There was a there was a mallard duck in a chocolate lab on our cake. Right. But anyway, we went to Cabo for our honeymoon. Okay. And then we tried like, I don't know, four or five years later to go to, where were we going the next time? Playa. Playa. Mexico. But my appendix decided it didn't want to be in my body anymore. So we spent that trip in the hospital here instead. Even even brought my recording stuff up to the hospital. We did a show. We didn't. I did a show from the hospital bed. So that yes, was very nice of you. Right. So 
Then we tried to reschedule that trip, and a hurricane hit, and we went to Fredericksburg. And I remember that because it was such a wonderful trip, but also the Rangers lost the World Series yes. that night. We watched it in a bar in Fredericksburg, and that really sucked. So fast forward to this past week, and we decided we were going to the Dominican Republic to celebrate 10 years of marital bliss. What was your uh, What were your initial thoughts on the Dominican Republic? It was beautiful. Way better than Cabo. Yeah, I mean, Cabo was pretty too, but the Dominican was beautiful, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we hadn't been anywhere for 10 years. Um, Let me put it this way. Cabo sucks compared to the Dominican. The beaches suck. The resort wasn't as good, but mostly the beaches suck. Yeah. And the sea, like the, the, the sand is like crushed seashells. It hurts your feet. It's miserable compared to... If you want to be on the beach, the Dominican was where to go. Yeah. Or probably just anywhere on that, that side of... Uh, avoid the Pacific side, I guess. We had this... Or you had this idea of doing this day-long excursion. And I think you like ride a catamaran to an island. Mm-hmm. Ride You're a catamaran to a private island where you have lunch and get to do a little shopping and then they take you out to a <laughs> natural made Sounds pool just so that wonderful. you can snorkel and see starfish and beautiful fish and, and I ride a speedboat back. But told you I would do event. that. Right. I said, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That sounds miserable, but we'll, we'll do it. It's, it's our honeymoon or our 10 year anniversary, second honeymoon. And, uh, then we go to the, to the, uh, concierge or the activities place where you book them at the resort there and i was like so tell us about fishing (laughs) yeah and i wasn't completely opposed to fishing i mean i've always you know i'd like to do things with you and Mm -hmm. i'm not going to shoot a gun and so fishing seems like a good idea i've always wanted to maybe try when you've gone on fishing trips yeah oh and one other thing on the trip that got canceled because of the bursting appendix we had a deposit already paid for for a fishing trip for the guys on that i even remember that yeah which so this trip and and you even said on our honeymoon hey you could you could do it if you wanted to but i was like i don't think i'm gonna make her go fishing on our honeymoon but after 10 years of putting up with you i was like yeah let's let's go fishing and so and i was excited or maybe it was the other way around you putting up with me Mm -hmm. Uh, so we booked this trip it's like a four or five hour fishing, uh, you know, deep sea fishing trip. To take you eight or so miles offshore. And I don't know why uh, you didn't take Dramamine or if you just, I mean, you've never been offshore before. No, I've never been offshore, but I do get real motion sickness. Never just been on a cruise. So you thought maybe you were going to get sick. Yeah, I had a <laughs> feeling I was probably going to get sick. <laughs> so why didn't you why did we not get Dramamine? I don't know. Didn't even never the thought never crossed my mind. So we go out there that morning and uh it was it was very apparent that one of the there were seven uh tourists, let's just call ourselves tourists on this uh 40-foot offshore rig. And the the older gentleman, he was sick like from the time we left. I he mean. so first of all, the guy asked how many people have ever been deep sea fishing before, and the older man and you were the only people <laughs> on the boat that had ever been before. <laughs> right. So I find it funny that the older man was the first one sick. Yeah, yeah, and so he spent like the majority of the time down in the bathroom, probably for the, for the whole ride out. Uh, I don't know, he's probably puking, and then I think the other guy about our age, some dude from Illinois. It was funny because we saw him at the airport leaving, and he was like, oh, "I'm just making sure you guys are okay." But he spent—he was deathly ill the entire time, 
and it's sad because his mom gave him that trip for his birthday present. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he was the, the second guy to go, and then some guy from New York uh, was was the third guy. Yeah, he was married to a real a real chatty lady from South Carolina. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, she makes me mood. feel like we're far. Th- you know, the Texas are, are not really Southerners. Yeah, you know? <laughs> for sure. Um, but she did take Dramamine. She did not get sick. So it was really just her and I that there was, what was the other guy? Uh, the older couple's wife. The older yeah. gentleman's wife. Never but she didn't sick. get sick, but she fell and basically gave herself a concussion. So this is like a freaking circus out there. And I'm and, and Freddie, the, the deckhand, was like, this is basically how every trip is. <laughs> but Freddie was wonderful because as soon as you lifted your head up from puking off the side of the boat, he had a napkin and a bottle of water waiting for you. Yeah. So how many times would you say you chummed the water for us? Three or four. And the worst thing, and I, I haven't been seasick like that. I've been hungover, and dry heaving is uh, the most unpleasant thing I think a human body can possibly do. I, there was a lot of dry heaving. So I was I was feeling bad for you, but at the same time, like I didn't take Dramamine, and I wasn't like feeling a hundred percent. I never like had that moment where like this is I'm gonna puke, but. I was standing the whole time, never went in the cabin, which I think is key for anyone listening that hasn't gone offshore. If you sit in the cabin, you're going to get sick. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to see the horizon, see what's going on out there. And uh, the style of fishing we were doing was was all trolling, uh, top water with uh, the bait. I think it was called ballyhoo. Uh, it was bait fish anyway. We hook up into a fish. And if the guy with Freddie was smart, he would have handed me the rod because like, we weren't going to go back in until I caught a fish. But he gave it to the girl from South Carolina. Then he gave it to the the older lady, and we didn't catch anything for a couple hours. And and then the other dude was like, "Hey, if everybody agrees to go in, can we go in early?" And I was just kind of like, I didn't say no, but I just didn't say anything because I, I was knew like, that we weren't <laughs> going in early until Cable <laughs> caught a fish. Exactly. And I told you before, even if I got deathly ill, it was worth it for me to just catch one fish. I didn't care what size or what species; really didn't matter. I wanted to catch a fish. So finally, I was the third person up catch this little dink of a of a mahi mahi a dorado beautiful fish fought it for like 10 seconds got it in there and then i said uh well i guess we can go home now and you even rallied enough to uh reel in a barracuda mm-hmm. you're the only one that was throwing up that actually still made it to the chair to fight I mean, a fish that was the nice thing is i felt deathly ill i would throw up and then i felt better for 20 minutes and then it all came back again <laughs> And when you got off the boat, would you describe? Because when you got back to land, you felt better. But you, it, basically, everyone that was seasick said it was like being hungover. Yeah, for the I was really tired. And I was we starting. Went, I started to drink beer. Yeah, we went <laughs> back to the hotel, and I had to take a, pe- a couple hour nap. Yeah, I was really tired and worn out. Well, babe, thanks for going deep sea fishing with me on our anniversary trip, and and we also got out of the island excursion because you didn't want to get back on a boat. Nope. <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, I don't think I will go deep sea fishing again, but maybe I'll try like bay fishing with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could handle that. We'll see. All right. Well, here's to 10 more years of marital bliss. Can't wait. Love you. That's when you say I love you too. Love you. <laughs> there she goes. The lovely Aaron Smith. Uh, that segment of the show was brought to you by Dramamine. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, was brought to you by John X Safaris. The date for the Lone Star Outdoors show 2019 Safari with John X is June 7th through the 15th. 
send me an email, LoneStarOutdoorShow at gmail.com. If you want to be a part of this trip of a lifetime, um, this is my third time to South Africa. It will be. And I can't imagine not going back every year. So if you want to be a part of that, just uh, email me, LoneStarOutdoorShow at gmail.com. I'm taking seven hunters. Still have room for two more. And we are going to have a hell of a good time. Um, we will be right back with our old friend Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics. We'll head up to Alaska, chase some moose, and get into the new Vortex AMG HD rifle scope. Here's one of my favorites from the recently departed, the late great Roy Clark, taking us to break on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. All right, waterfowl junkies, the finisher is the quick and humane way to dispatch a duck or goose. It's, uh, you know, it's unsettling when you've wrung that bird's neck, you throw it in the pile, and 10 minutes later, he's laying there flopping. Uh-uh. We don't want that. That's not ethical. And so the finisher alleviates that. You stick the finisher in the back of the bird's skull at an upward angle, give it a little twist, boom, dead instantly, never felt the thing. The finisher is only 14 bucks. It fits on any waterfowling lanyard, and you can find it at adrenal-line.com. Hey, hey, all you waterfowl junkies out there. Cable here for TX Duck Blinds. Highly durable and highly mobile customized duck blinds built by duck hunters for duck hunters. Each blind is built from solid steel by professional welders and field tested before shipment. A duck season will come and go, but guess what? Your TX Duck Blind is built to last. Customize yours today by calling 817-965-1306. You can also find them at texasduckblinds.com or check them out on Instagram and Facebook at TX Duck Blinds. Never meant to be a bad man I just had a fast hand Ain't gonna be nothing in here I haven't lived through here And I'm just gonna walk out Fast Hand is the name of that one there from our good friend Cody Chase bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club I'm Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today Thank you so much for being here. I do appreciate each and every one of you. Hope that you are having a wonderful hunting season and uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I guess it's finally okay if you want to start playing those Christmas tunes. Now's the time to do so. I can't stand it, honestly, before Thanksgiving. I got to get through one holiday before I can focus on the next. But tis the season. That it is, Edward. That it is indeed. And throughout the holidays, I'm sure y'all will hear some more of my favorite lines from, I think, the greatest Christmas movie of all time, uh, which you heard right there, Clark Griswold, Christmas Vacation. And to really get in the holiday spirit, I believe that we'll have the Lone Star Outdoors show 10 Days of Christmas once again, where I will give away an awesome prize from one of our sponsors for the 10 days leading up to Christmas. So... You guys will want to stay tuned in to our social media outlets uh, for the 10 days of Christmas right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. How about that? Well, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by Horizon Firearms. You've seen my 7 mag because I'm not shy about posting that bad boy. It's a thing of beauty. It's a tack driver, and when I pull the trigger, the animal goes down every time. And 
you know, confidence is such a big part of hunting that I wouldn't trust any other name. It's Horizon Firearms, and you can find them by going to horizonfirearms.com. They'll spec out your rifle any way you want it. Horizon Firearms. All right. Well, let's welcome an old friend of the program back to the broadcast, joining us from Wisconsin and the Vortex Optics headquarters, Mark Boardman. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no, awesome, Cable. Appreciate you having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. And I'm a little jealous. Uh, it looks like you've had a great fall so far. I know you got uh, you took a moose, which that's one that's at the top of my bucket list. So let's start there, man. Tell us about that hunt, where you were, and uh, how that played out. So, yeah, man. I mean, um, truly awesome hunt. I mean, Alaska's. If, if a person hasn't been up there, I mean, it really is one of the greatest places on earth. Just about anywhere you go up there is just absolutely breathtaking, as is much of the country, but I think it's a pretty special place up there. But, uh, yeah, uh, a few buddies of mine uh, from Washington, uh, they've done that hunt a handful of times. I think it was their sixth time, uh, sixth time doing it. And, you know, we're chatting, and he's like, hey, do you want to go do this hunt? And I was like, yeah, I do want to do that. So we, uh, I mean, a year of planning later and logistics and travel, and all of a sudden, you know, found ourselves, you know, plunked up in the middle of nowhere, uh, staring at moose country through uh, through binoculars. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So what goes into that, and and who do you have to be buddies with to to get invited to to go on that kind of a hunt? Oh man, I like I said, I I completely lucked out. So you know the way the way they did that hunt. I mean, Alaska. I mean, the, the one thing about it, it, it is not logistically simple. You know, there's definitely a few more complexities and and intricacies that go into, um, you know, coordinating a, a hunt up there. But so, um, like I said, they're from Washington. So a couple of the guys uh, drove up with uh, uh, four wheelers and freezers on a flatbed. Uh, you know, generators and, and other things, and and uh, um, and I met them. Uh, a couple of us flew up there, and, and I met them up there, and then, like I said, you know, just uh, got back in uh, via some extremely primitive uh, two tracks, and then kind of hiked from there, and uh, so it was kind of a mixture of manpower and horsepower, and and uh, yeah, very optics intensive hunt. You know, I mean, it seems like a lot of the time. You know, you you think of a moose hunt, or perhaps you know you see a moose hunt, or you know know somebody that went on one, and you know a float hunt, or you think you know swamps and bogs and close quarter stuff. And we were actually doing uh, a ton of glassing, you know, across canyons. So, oh yeah, um, it was it was more of a very, uh, it was almost like uh, you know, coos deer hunting for moose, or 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 mule deer hunting for moose. I guess at least in the in the fashion that we were using our optics, and then. Um, oftentimes having to execute, you know, a fairly long-range shot if you wanted to capitalize. Uh, you were you, not uh, the leaves weren't off the birches, you know. Uh-huh. It's kind of a one of the primary, you know, trees that, w- that that were in the area. And so when you spotted a a moose, be it a cow or a bull, uh, you know, we could only shoot bulls out there. But um, generally, they're in a pretty small opening. And uh, if you spotted one, um, and and you thought you might want to try and uh, you know, get a shot, you, you darn near had to just close the distance as much as you could real quick or shoot from where you were because they're probably going to be gone pretty shortly. Huh. So one of those, I mean, it sounds like with the birches and everything, the leaves not being off, uh, you could even know where they were, make a plan to make a stock on them and then not be able to find them again. Uh, yeah, I think that would be a very distinct possibility. I mean, you know, the second you step off into that stuff, 
you know, or or even just down the mountain a little bit. I mean, you know, man, your perspective changes, you know. Brush that looks like it's just a couple feet high, is it twelve feet high? Um it was it was pretty thick over there, so um made for made for a cool hunt though and definitely, you know, a test of <laughs> Yeah. A true test of our products. That's yeah. for sure. Well, we've been talking about Alaska, I mean, not intentionally, but a lot over the last three weeks. Uh, we had a buddy, guy who builds my rifles, Horizon Firearms. He went on a DIY caribou hunt, uh, barren ground caribou hunt with three of his buddies. They all tagged out. Um, awesome. So that was that seemed like a different part of it. You know, obviously, that's very open country uh, up there mm-hmm. close to the tundra. And then, uh, and then last week we had Tag Spence and, and Cal from First Light on to talk about his doll sheep hunt. Um, which oh, was in the Brooks range, yeah. and now we've got you on talking about moose hunting. What is financially? What is the commitment uh, to get that tag and and to go on that type of hunt? And and it seems like, and I don't know if it was a more of a DIY. If these guys, you said these guys have been doing it a long time, or if there was an outfitter. Um, talk a little bit about that. So I mean, this was this was a DIY hunt, you know, and, and like I said, I mean, but those guys, they you know just through doing it they had a lot of experience um so i kind of you know just followed their lead most of the time so but um but you know i'm trying to think you know the tag prices they went up uh in the last couple years so that doubled so you know i mean just for the tag and the license itself you're looking about you know right about a g um Mm -hmm. you know travel you know about that as well you know some accommodations you got fuel in there so i uh getting my moose back to Wisconsin, um, so I haven't tallied it, and I probably don't want to. But <laughs> my guess is, uh, and my wife probably hasn't tallied. Actually, she could probably tell me. Um, oh God, but, I keep uh, that stuff away from her. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> That'd be the smart play. But uh, um, but no, but probably about the four mark somewhere. Oh wow, okay. So that's uh, not, that's very affordable for a moose. I mean, if you wanted to go on a you know, shoot a giant Alaskan moose with an outfitter. I mean, you're going to pay fifteen to twenty-two thousand dollars for that hunt. So yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it was cool, man. I mean, it's just you know, I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's just amazing up there. We watched we watched the birches turn from green to gold we were, while we were there. You know, the blueberries went from man, that was one thing. I mean, you could eat blueberries to your heart's content if you wanted where we were at. Mm. Uh, it was just it was amazing. But you know, they went from green to bright red, and just you know, in a week's time or about ten days' time, man, just watching that landscape um, change and go through that fall transition was. I mean that was that was one of the coolest parts. I mean it was really cool. So and so, what kind of uh, with the quality of of the bulls up there that you guys were harvesting? So we were actually um, in an any bull unit, which there there are some up there. So um, and I think most of us, I mean, they had shot some bulls in the past, so they were you know looking for something a little bit bigger, yeah. perhaps. Um, but uh, I just wanted to go to Alaska and shoot a moose. So right, um, who doesn't? <laughs> first moose we saw, I was like, yep, that's good enough, and we were able to close the distance a little bit from where my buddy Brandon um, had spotted it. He'd actually wrapped around the hill from where my buddy Ryan and I were glassing from and had a little bit different perspective and caught this bull in a, in a really, really small opening and ran up got us, and we bombed down the hill and got set up on packs, and I actually... Um, I wasn't able to get on the bull. I mean, it was it was a decent poke, you know, one of the longer shots that I've taken, and I've definitely shot, you know, a fair amount. At and how far was it? You know, fairly long distances. Uh, we had him ranged at 733. Oh, wow. 
And uh, so on the gun that I had brought, I was really comfortable to about the six mark, you know, and I, and I was anticipating shots. Um, and I think most commonly the shots that they get are, you know, six and in, kind of between, probably averaging between that four and six mark. Uh-huh. And uh, and so, you know, we hucked packs down and I got laid down. And I just honestly, I wasn't comfortable with, you know, my stability. You know, the you know had it been a couple hundred yard shot, I'd have let it rip and probably been all said and done, you know. But, yeah. Um, just the crosshairs were floating enough. I was just like, you know, I'm just not, I'm not going to break a, break that shot at that distance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he, uh, he actually ended up going into the birches and we continued to glass. And my buddy Ryan had a, uh, a 300 ultra mag with a Viper HSLR six to 24 by 50 on top. And he had a bipod on it and definitely purpose built for, for this application. And I looked at him, I'm like, Hey dude, I'm like, do you care if I shoot your rifle? He's like, no, good go ahead so i mean kind of uh you know as luck would have it um you know we last for another 45 minutes and the bull pops back out where he'd been before and i had the the rifle basically set up on that spot with the dope dialed and and uh you know ran over got on the gun and he was just in a spot where um i could take the shot and you know broke the shot and it dropped right in and he ran 20 yards and tipped over so awesome cool. awesome Oh man, that's wonderful. <laughs> it was cool, and I, I can tell you one thing about those things. I mean, everybody says it, right? It's almost like just anybody that ever sees one up close. But um, the scale of those animals is just—it's astounding. Everything about them is—it's just next level big, you know. Yeah. Um, and until you're you're looking at one that close, and like I said, we're super blessed that we, you know we got to do that, but. Um, Gosh, they're neat, but the biggest deer in the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's definitely at the top of my bucket list, and so I'm asking everyone that I know that's gone to Alaska and and harvested a moose, you know, all the logistics, all the finances, and uh, you know, had how many, how many years in advance they had to go ahead and plan for that. Um, I'm just trying to soak it all in because that's uh, that's one of the ones that's. You know, right, right up there at the very top. Now you've been to Alaska though before. I think wasn't that where your uh, your blacktail got stolen last year by the the bear? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was yeah. So that was on uh, on Prince of Wales up in the Alpine, which is another just amazing region. You know, anywhere in southeast Alaska, that's probably one of my you know favorite places on the planet. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's a really cool region uh, there as well. Yeah. Well, and and I and I bring that up because going back to uh my buddy's barren ground uh caribou hunt, they killed four bulls and they brought 80 pounds of meat home because grizzlies helped themselves for the rest of it. You're kidding me. Yeah, four and those caribou he said they weighed between 400, you know, 450 pounds, let's say. You know, a bit way bigger than a mule deer. Um and yeah, they had 80 pounds and that's all they were able to bring home. So now, were these bears kind of getting on and claiming the kill site before they could? No, no, no. Out, it, or did they, they were get into like their big meat cache. Yep, taking the meat cache. I mean, multiple nights, um, and even like dragging capes off. They, one of the guys almost lost his cape because the bear wanted the salt off of it, and so the bear drug the cape into the willows, and they just followed the salt trail. And luckily, he had dropped it there, and he didn't destroy it. Um, he just licked every little piece of salt off that cape. <laughs> Man, that mm-hmm. I mean, those are some very brazen bears. Too. Oh, they weren't afraid of them. I mean, they they literally shot uh, 357s 
at the bear's feet. I mean, you can't, you obviously can't shoot the bear, even if it's taking right. your meat. Uh, but literally shooting it at its feet, over its head, yelling at it. He said it, it was like 23 paces from him, and the bear just was looking at him, just eating the meat like he didn't even care. So obviously these bears have had run-ins with hunters before, feel safe, and you know, it, it's, it's becoming a little bit of an issue in that in that area uh, where they Yeah, run. yeah. I was going to say it sounds like something that uh, uh, probably has... I think the bear quota is about to go up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. But man, those bears up there, you know, just the ones that I've seen, um, they just don't seem to have too many cares, you yeah. know? Um, at least, you know, of course, I was chatting with a buddy of mine today um, about a grizzly encounter that he'd had, and he said that, you know, the bear basically, um, actually, there's a guy at work here, uh, David, uh, it was a, in uh, in Montana, and they in, uh, encountered a grizzly, and basically the second it caught one of them, it turned tail and ran, you know? But Oh, yeah. In, and most of the bears that I've encountered have been up in Alaska, and they just, they just even when they see it, they just, they just don't really care a whole lot. You know, they mm-hmm. might be bothered and they might move off. But, it's good to be king, right? <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, when I'm around them, I certainly don't feel that I am uh, in that role. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, transitioning to a hunt you just got back from in Colorado, um, I believe you went with the uh, the Get Hushin crew, which I don't, I, I follow those guys on Instagram. I know they're big shed hunters and they're, you know, really awesome western big game hunters, but I don't know any of them personally. Seemed like an awesome crew though, and uh, it looks like you guys had a hell of a hunt. So yeah, I mean, I mean you nailed it, man. I mean, super awesome guys, way cool, way down to earth, um way solid hunters. I mean, they definitely know what they're doing and and uh yeah, just just yeah, I mean, you can you probably couldn't ask for a better group of folks, and yeah, I mean, if a person out there, you know, I'll plug them, you know, hasn't checked them out on on YouTube, you know, um, you know, Hush or Get Hush, and man, they've got, um, I think they're doing like eighty some days of solid content, like an upload, I believe, every day. So, mm. um, and you know, obviously, you can you know catch up on, uh, you know, years past as well. But man, those guys, I mean, they they definitely know how to hunt and uh, you know and find you know mule deer and boy, just about anything else. And it was just incredible sharing a camp with them. Um, I consider them that they're I consider them definitely good friends. You know, even you know before this hunt and. But uh, yeah, they know they know what's up. They 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 drug me into the ground. I was that little, that elevation was a little bit of a killer, and uh, but it was uh, what part of Colorado was that? Um, you know, I'm trying to think. I mean, you don't have to give us a unit. I mean, there's a lot I'm of people not, that hear I'm it. Not even, I'm not even sandbagging here. Cause I, you know, <laughs> oh, I sandbagged the hell out of my you... my New Mexico <laughs> honey hole. Uh uh-uh. uh. I've never said where I go on the air, and I never will. Now, if you're like a personal friend, or if you want to send me a direct message or something, we can talk about it. But no, you want to, especially units where you have to draw. You know, uh, I don't want to decrease my odds, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, Colorado. That's I'd like, and honestly, I could look at them at me like, oh yeah, that's where we were a little bit better. But, yeah. Um, so no worries. But, no uh, worries. What was the what were the what was the uh, weather conditions like? You know, I mean, it was cold and snowy, um, which probably ideal for a third season hunt. You know, mm-hmm. those guys, you know, that's what it takes to get those deer to, you know, push down, um, you know, towards their their more, uh, you know, their their wintering areas. And yeah, I mean, we saw we saw a lot of deer, saw a lot of hunters. It was pretty crowded out there, but um, there's definitely a lot of deer and managed to, you know, get on some nice bucks throughout the week and and had it all come together. I, uh, Casey killed a really nice buck early in the hunt. In the first few days, and then I shot a nice, uh, nice four point the, the last morning, 
Awesome. And B Mac shot a really nice puck that evening. So those last two kind of came down to the wire. So it was cool though, man. It, it was. I mean, it's, it's neat country up there, and you know the elevation. I mean, really, that's. Uh, I mean, it wasn't exceptionally high. I think we probably averaged between seventy-two and ninety-six. You know, depending on where we we're at. Yeah. I mean, it's a grind though. When you're at that elevation, and every every step is in you know six inches to a foot of snow, that uh, that'll take its toll on you for sure. Um, uh, we're kind of flatlanders out here. I think we're at about 800 feet. Oh yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, let's see. I, I was going to ask you because it seems like you and I kind of live by the same code of don't pass something on the first day that you're willing to shoot on the last day. Uh, I, I mean, it seems like you got it done on the last day. I don't know if you passed on any bucks though. It, I know you didn't pass on the, on a moose in Alaska. Um, was that the only buck that you're able to get on? So no, I mean we we definitely saw you know um, uh, some some other bucks and saw some bigger bucks that we tried to get on. Um, a couple of them, a couple of them ended up getting killed by um, other hunters in the area. Uh, so there's definitely like I said there, there's some pressure out there. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a couple. Of, uh, one of the bucks that we actually finally decided to make a move on that that got killed. That was definitely a buck where you know. Um, I was kind of looking at like, why aren't we going after that one? But these guys, I mean, they, they'd been around mule deer a lot, you know, and, and they knew we'd spotted a really, a really, really big buck. And uh, that was on some private, but moving towards the public. Uh-huh. Um, so we kind of went to go investigate and see if we couldn't turn him up or see if he'd jump the fence. Pull up your Onyx maps. Yeah. And uh, but all, all the while, I'm like, but all the while, I'm kind of going, well, but what about the big buck on the public that's on the public right now? <laughs> 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 but I wouldn't be saying that if we'd found that other one either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people make that mistake, though. You know, you pass on something that, yeah, he may not be the biggest buck in the world on the first day or second day, but you'd be happy to take that, that venison and, and that trophy home, and then you end up kind of pissing in the wind and you go home empty-handed <laughs> yeah i think you know and i think if a person wants to you know potentially you know pass that deer i think it's all about things you know relative or managing expectations and sometimes you might you know sometimes you might pass something early in the hunt because you just don't want to be done you know yeah. you want to you want to have more experiences or you realize that hey you know maybe i maybe i did maybe i did pass and maybe that that might be my only opportunity and as long as you're okay with that, mm-hmm. you know, and but if you're not going to be okay with that, then yeah. you might ought to think about well, that buck. You know? And it's relative to a lot of guys who've already taken a big mule deer, of, you know, they're not going to go in and shoot a, a 140, you know. So, uh, you know, all of that plays into it. But like you said, yeah, whatever makes you happy. Uh, I just oh, don't, yeah. I don't like to be the guy that's regretting at the end, being like, oh, man. Because especially on a trip like to Alaska, you've spent so much time, so much planning, so much money. You had a lot of stuff invested in that, and uh, I think I'm right there with you. I'm shooting the first legal moose that walks out. That's probably where I'd where I'd be, you know. But like <laughs> I said, it's, it's all, it all. I mean, there's just so many factors that go into it, you know. Like what's your what's your experience level, you know? Have you done it before, you know? Or, yeah. You know, and then also what you're what you're what you're trying to get out of the experience too. Sure, sure. Well, um, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Come back. There's a scope that uh, I just got my hands on. I really want to get into that compare it to the scope I'm taking off my rifle and, and why I'm putting this one on. So are uh, you cool to uh, stick around for a few more minutes? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. And that segment of the show was brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. If you haven't checked out the big chingone and you've got a lease or your own property, hey, do yourself a favor. The big chingone has enough room for myself, 
all three of my noisy, rowdy-ass kiddos, you know, uh, we can sit in there comfortably. It's got carpet. It's got cup holders for their drinks, uh, shelves for their snacks, and my binos. <laughs> you know, Dad's got to have his gear as well. Uh, not that anything's going to get shot while they're in there, but we're going to have a hell of a good time. It's the Big Chingon, and you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back with more from our good friend Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics. You are listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years' experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots, 500 tree stands, and over 80 box blinds. The guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant Midwest bucks. Golden Triangle Whitetail hunts the Illinois archery, shotgun, and muzzleloader season. They have a full-time chef and excellent lodging. Book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today. Have you been looking for new and innovative products in the shooting industry? Then check out IOTA. Their scope rings and stocks are second to none, especially with their patented zero light and key lock technology. Based right here in Texas, check them out at iotaoutdoors.com or call 979-229-4664. IOTA Outdoors, inspiring innovation for hunting and shooting. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thank you guys and gals for being here today. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well, longtime supporters of the show. We are about to dive off of the optics deep end with our good friend Mark Boardman of Vortex. But before we do that, this segment of the presentation brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas, and Sendero Seed Company for all your planting needs. They've even got the Dr. Deer backed buck for Joe's. Check them out at SenderoSeed.com or call Rob Hughes at 1-877-610-SEED today. All right. Uh, well, let's get back into it here with Mark, who was nice enough to stick around through the break, which we certainly appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just uh, I grabbed my, my TAC driver, my Horizon Firearm 7 mag. It's a gun that I've taken okay. all over the world. I'll be honest with you. I've never not had an animal die very quickly. I, you know, I think the gun's better than me. And when I have good optics on there, which obviously is why we love Vortex, it makes it that much easier. And I've got a scope on here, which we're, we're about to take off. And I think the one that I have on here right now is the Razer HD Light Hunter. Um, okay, this sure. Is, love this scope. Yeah, I love this scope. I've had it on here for about two years. It's made two trips to Africa. And uh, it's lightweight. It's been a it's been a great scope for me, but we're gonna upgrade. And I've got this box right here. And I'm almost afraid to open it. It looks so beautiful, but uh, inside is the Razer HD AMG six 
to 24 by 50. Tell me a little bit about this scope. I believe it is, I, I think it's y'all's baby. It might be the, the best scope that you guys make. Actually, it's got a little thing here, personally inspected by uh, GR, whoever's initials are GR, inspected this thing. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, tell me a little bit about the Razer HD AMG. Well, the, the scope that you're pulling off there, so that's the Razer HD LH, mm-hmm. and that scope is definitely, you know, optically, it's a top-tier optic, but I'd say it's definitely more purpose-built for, like, a lightweight mountain rifle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it it shines exceptionally with that application, or even on, you know, probably any, you know, general hunting rifle, I would say, right? Um, like I said, optically, I mean, the, the, the clarity, resolution, color fidelity is, is top-notch. That said, the firearm that sounds like you're talking about is a little bit of a long-range bomber, right? So, oh, yeah. You know, that's purpose-built for, you know, taking, um, you know, extending your effective range, taking, you know, longer shots, and that's where this Razer HD AMG, um, where it's going to shine. I mean, like I said, 6 to 24 by 50, so you've got... Um, a larger uh, top end on the zoom range. You've got a first focal plane glass etched reticle, uh, an immense amount of travel in a 30 millimeter tube. So you're going to be able to, um, you know, once you get your ballistic data, you know, you're going to be able to dial that elevation turret to execute that long range shot. Um, optically, it's just it really is it really is a top tier optic. Uh, it's got uh, illumination integrated into the left side of the parallax. If you get in a low-light scenario uh, where you may need to engage the illumination, you can certainly do that. And one one spot, I think, where that comes into play is and is a very nice asset is because it is a first focal plane optical system. When you're on the low end of the zoom range, that reticle can um, appear somewhat small, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe even a little bit faint in a lower-light scenario, but you engage that illumination and all that goes away. And if you want to shoot something on six power and low light, you're just you know you're ready to go. So um, that's a nice luxury. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a really really cool optic. Um, I guess kind of a feather in its cap or feather in our cap. You know, um, that optic. And I and I'm I by no means uh, think that an optic needs to be made in the USA to be a, a, a phenomenal top tier optic. But uh, one I guess cool attribute of the AMG is that um, it's pretty much done entirely in-house here at Vortex. Even the glass is coming from the USA, um, which to my knowledge, actually, um, that's the only optic where, where, where the glass is actually coming from the U.S. as well. So pretty cool. We've learned a lot from, um, from making that scope here, and uh, it's really cool. And actually, that's uh, when I was on, in Colorado. That's what, I, that's what I shot that mule deer buck with. So. Oh, nice. Right on, right on. Yeah, and then like you said, the uh, the light hunter has been it's been really nice, uh, just from a weight standpoint. Taking it on backcountry elk hunts, taking it to uh, yeah. taking it to Africa, like you said. To and and I think people have a misconception of what Africa really is when you go on a plains game hunt. Like you're driving around, and you're just shooting out of a truck, you know, see something, shoot it now. Like, and that was almost my expectation the first time I went, but I, I couldn't. I was pleasantly um, that was. Ignorant on my part, because it is a lot of time glassing, and every pH and I've and, and you've helped me get my pHs set up with some stuff too, uh, because they are spending hours behind the spotting scope, and they are looking at, you know, really their their number one job, at least the guys I hunt with, is 
you might see an animal and you think, you know, dumb American, well, that looks like a hell of a trophy. And they're like, no, 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 that's a baby. That's a dink. You don't want, you don't, you're not going to be happy if you shoot that one. And so they're discerning, you know, as these animals move through the brush, is there a legitimate trophy in there? They don't want you to go home with, you know, uh, something that's not mature and a good representation of that species. So their glass is like, you know, that it's, it's the most important piece of their, of their, uh, kit, you know, as a pH. Um, and, uh, and I was blown away by how much time we spent literally just sitting there glassing, just like Western big game hunting. And, and that's something that I love, you know, so that was, uh, that was pretty cool. And the kudu, I mean, we hunted kudu in the mountains. It was every bit like hunting elk, um, spotting scopes, and then, you know, getting set up, uh, prone and taking a 450 yard shot. So awesome. Yeah. Super cool, cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But uh, we're going to put this bad boy on there. And I think it's going to help uh, because there was a, a time last year where we were hunting Vol Reedbuck, another mountain species, and I needed to be able to shoot at like 700, which that cape is, you know, that scope is totally capable of. But I think this is going to, uh, you know, eliminate eliminate a little of the human error and, and make that just uh, a tad bit easier for me as a hunter. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, we talk about you know being purpose built, and I mean that is. Yeah, I mean that's that's what that optic is made for, you know, and and you know for folks out there who are looking to extend their effective range, I mean it really is a phenomenal, um, phenomenal optic, um, you know, for doing that and hunting because of because of its weight. I think it's coming in at 28.8 ounces. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, to my knowledge, I mean it's it's the lightest weight you know, top tier, fully featured long range scope on the market. So, you know, you can put it on just about it. Well, I mean, case in point, you know, I had, I had it, uh, mounted on a, um, a Weatherby Mark five, uh, ultralight mm-hmm. outfitter and which I think is a five and three quarter pound rifle. And it wasn't like it, it was in no way like a monstrosity on top of it. You know what I mean? Which I mean, you're, you're taking you know, you know, petite mountain rifle and putting a long range scope on it, and it's actually you know the perfect fit. It actually worked really well. So. Yeah. Well, and I've got a a backcountry specific stock on my rifle, and it only weighs 27 ounces, so I'm not real concerned with you know adding a little weight on the on the scope side of things because the rifles are already no. pretty light. Um, what? How popular is this with the long range community? I don't know what what yeah. is your what is your number one seller for for the guys that are shooting competitively and they're shooting out to a thousand yards. You know, I mean, so this scope is definitely capable and would be perfect for that application. I would say popularity wise, the Razer HD Gen two, yeah, Gen two, twenty seven by fifty six is probably um, the 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 more popular choice, but both certainly capable of of uh, you know that application i think you know anybody would be well served with either um they're both you know yeah they're, they're fantastic optics for for long range uh shooting but you know kind of the, the precision rifle series crowd um a lot of folks gravitating towards that gen 2 razor uh-huh how has the fury been doing for you guys this is the uh, range finding binocular this is the first full year i've used it for rifle hunting you know i thought i would still want to have my little my ranger um, mm-hmm. because I was more concerned like on a bow hunt, you know, it'd be cool to just eliminate one piece of equipment. And now I've got a mm-hmm. binocular and a rangefinder built into one. I found on even, even the rifle hunting side of things, I'm like, well, I'm looking at the rangefinder. I'm like, maybe I don't need to take that today. I mean, that's what it's designed to do essentially. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you got that dual purpose functionality. You've taken, you know, what was once two pieces, put it into one. Uh, you've got more magnification there, wider field of view, uh, kind of your rangefinder. You know, if you got your binos on your chest, is always at your fingertips. So, definitely a lot of pluses there. Um, you know, actually, in, in some ways, I was wishing uh, when we we're trying to uh, um, when we spotted the buck that that uh, BMAC in, ultimately ended up uh, getting. But you know, there was a lot of deer out there. Uh, I think they were probably about 500, 600 yards away, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. You know, deer moving a little bit, changing positions. There was two mature bucks in the crowd. Um, you know snowstorm going on it was getting a little bit you know the sun was going down a little bit and we still had plenty of light but um i actually had a handheld range finder which was working fine but there was definitely something in the back of my head i was like man you know sorting everything that's going out here and getting brian a range it definitely would have been handy to have those furies in that scenario has has the fury done very well for vortex it has. I mean, it's definitely a popular piece. There's there's a lot of folks that are looking to, you know, um, you know, just just for all the all the reasons that we just kind of ran through. I mean, there's there's a lot of pluses to carrying a rangefinder binocular, no doubt. They are expensive, and you see. I mean, let's just take thermal technology for example. You couldn't get into that ten years ago. The average guy couldn't. Mm-hmm. Ten thousand dollars for a scope. Now they're you know you can get a nice one for two grand. Uh, one that's going to function and and be good quality. Do you think this is the future of of rangefinders, where one day we're going to be like, who even needs a handheld rangefinder anymore? You know, it'll be it, that's an interesting question. I guess obviously you nobody know, has a crystal ball, so I don't have have the answer to that. But I mean, you kind of look where I guess you know other technologies have gone, and you know what what we once used to use is you know now obsolete. So. Um, it's a good question, fair question. I I don't have the answer to it, but I guess I'm <laughs> excited to see what's going you know what's going down in ten years. <laughs> yeah, if you could do that, you'd be a very <laughs> wealthy individual. That is for sure. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess it's, it's just more of kind of like a, a personal. I wonder, you know, I wonder if this once this price goes down on me because it's like everything else, you know, um, they're expensive to make it first. And and I'm not saying that the quality ever is going to be as good as it is today, but eventually the the price will go down. It it, it seems to and and most uh, you know name the product whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. And once it becomes more affordable, maybe people are like, well, I don't you know I'm just going to take the one piece of equipment. And uh, I yep. was just curious. Yeah. Um, what's your but, thoughts were? But no, there's definitely it's something that. Um like even just you know that experience this last week, and I was like, ah, maybe I should carry that fury a little bit more, you know. But you know, but then it's, you know it's kind of give and take though. Um, heavier. I, I um, a little bit heavier, and then uh, but again, but you know a little bit heavier, but then you're not carrying that additional piece, so it's yeah. kind of you know prob- probably a wash. But you know, like on this particular hunt that we were on, we're definitely glassing long distances, and so um, you know my Razor 12 by 50s were what I had on my chest and what I used on my tripod. Um, a little bit, and uh, so it's kind of it's kind of like give and take. You know, I kind of gave up having the rangefinder to have that extra, you know, two X magnification. Mm-hmm. So, um, which which was a big asset a lot of the time. So, you know, I don't know. Everything's give and take, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why it's you know we're all so particular about our kits and and what we're going to take on a uh, a particular hunt. One item may not be the best fit for X hunt, but you look at Y hunt and 
you know, it's it's absolute perfect fit. You couldn't imagine not having it there. So. Yeah. And that's why I recommend having one of each of our Vortex options. <laughs> shameless, shameless. I love it. I love oh, it. dude. Yeah, yeah, gross. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, uh, what do you have next on the docket, Mark? Uh, pretty excited, actually. You know, at home right now, our gun season opens uh, this weekend. It's a nine-day gun season. Um, and we're here in Wisconsin, which it's, it's really cool. Um, we just have a really strong, you know, gun hunting, deer hunting tradition. Um, you know, I think there's still schools that, you know, let kids out early for it. Um, you know, and if you miss a day or two of, two of school, I think it's understood. Um, so yeah, you can, you can drive through the countryside this time of year and you'll see a lot of orange hanging on clotheslines outside. <laughs> People are getting pretty excited. So there's definitely a buzz in the air and, uh, you know, excited to get out on Saturday and be a part of that and, and, uh, hopefully, uh, Hopefully get a buck, so we'll see. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I was uh, talking, some guys from Pennsylvania had me on their podcast a couple of weeks ago, and um, yeah, I'm thinking like, can I take my kid out of school and this, that, and the other? Is that going to be frowned upon? Will my wife even think that's kosher? And they were like, hell, we uh, we don't have school on the first day of deer season. It's, it's a state <laughs> holiday. And I'm thinking, man, Texans, we're pretty proud of our hunting heritage, uh, but they, they just like no, not even messing with it because nobody shows up. <laughs> right, right, so, right. Yeah. Well, maybe you should, you should put that in the old Texas suggestion box. I, they I should. I should. They kill a lot of deer. Pennsylvania, I think. Uh, I think Texas harvests the most deer, and then I know some of the the states up there in your neck of the woods, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, harvest a lot. And Pennsylvania is right up there in the top five as well. So. They, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we it's kind of, it's relatively you know it's a smaller state compared to our states. Um, but man, they've got a great whitetail heritage up there. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Well, hey, I, I uh, wish you the best of luck in the Wisconsin season, and I know you guys are all moved into the new location. So, sometime yeah. after hunting season, when things slow down a little bit, uh, I'm going to plan to to come up there and and take everything in for myself. Not nah, for sure, man. Come on out; it'll be awesome. All right, brother. Well, hey, thanks again, and we'll do it again soon. All right, man. Take care. Thanks, and uh, good luck out there. We'll talk. Oh about hell, it. you know what? I forgot to mention. We got to we got to mention this. You guys have uh, something else that's exciting um, from Vortex for people that are really into optics and shooting and and hunting. You know, anything, everything optics. You guys have your own podcast now, so I forgot to mention that. Uh, but oh yeah. Tell us tell us a little bit about that. You know, speaking of you know radio or podcasts, you know um, which we're doing right now. But yeah, another, another shameless plug, I guess. But yeah, so we have the Vortex Nation podcast. I think we launched it. Gosh, I want to say June-ish. Don't quote me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you know, it was, just, it was just something that we wanted to do to to produce some content that you know hopefully uh, you know our customers or really any listener might find uh, useful or 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 beneficial. Um, we just got we got a lot of folks here at Vortex that are you know, really, truly experts at, uh, you know, be it competitive shooting or long-range shooting or, or western big-game hunting or or, uh, or hunting whitetails in the Midwest, you know, archery hunting, whatever it may be. And so we said, well, you know, let's just leverage our resources and, you know, hopefully talk about some, some interesting topics. So, right. Um, so who's the host yeah, of it, or does that change? So uh, Jimmy Hamilton, and then I kind of co-host it with him. So, okay. Um, and yeah, I mean it's fun, man. We had some some good conversations. We just knocked one out yesterday. Everybody kind of brought in, you know, either their 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 favorite gun or you know a classic gun that might have some history or story to it. Um, you know, we talked about that. Um, one, you know, we talked about uh, difficult blood trails the other day. That was another fun conversation. Um, which actually, you know, while you're you know trailing a difficult blood 
trail. It's not uh, necessarily fun, but you certainly learn a lot from it. So, yeah, um, yeah lot, lots of good stuff. So, yeah, hopefully, like I said, hopefully stuff people find interesting. and Right on. Well, good stuff, man. I encourage folks to check that out, and uh, and thanks again, buddy. Awesome. Nope, thanks, Cable. And, uh, yeah, man, it's always good, man. So uh, take care, and we'll talk to you soon, all right? We will certainly do it. There he goes, our longtime friend, Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics. And, yeah, definitely one of our most longstanding guests, I'd say, because I think I've been using Vortex specifically for seven years now. The show's been on the air nine years, and Vortex has been our optic sponsor for seven of those. So um, I, I don't feel bad. I honestly don't. You know, that sometimes it's like, ah, you don't want to really force your sponsors on your audience. But at the end of the day, they are paying the bills. But with Vortex, I mean, I, I absolutely just love their stuff. Uh, everything I've ever used has been amazing, and and I haven't had to use the warranty yet. Uh, but you know, it's a lifetime transferable warranty. So you you know, if you break it, you burn it. Anything short of losing it, they replace it. No questions asked, uh, and that is tough to beat. That segment of the presentation, by the way, was proudly brought to you by Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging Technology. You know, the one thing that Vortex doesn't do is make thermal night vision, but Pulsar does. And if you haven't looked through the Pulsar Trail XP50, you need to do yourself a favor. I mean, this monocular is an invaluable tool for any bow hunter. When you don't want to blow deer out of the area, walking to and from your stand, you pull out that monocular, you scan. Hey, the other day, uh, in addition to finding deer, I would have walked right up on top of this skunk. But luckily, saw him with that uh, Pulsar Trail. And I didn't end up smelling like Pepe Le Pew. So check it out. It's the Pulsar Trail. You can find it at PulsarNV.com. Coming up after the break, I'll let you know how things played out on my Oklahoma deer lease. It's crazy what people will do when big bucks are involved. And I know last week I kind of left y'all in limbo as far as uh, where everything stood as, as the land was sold. Essentially the first week of November. So is there a happy ending for myself and my lease mates? We discuss next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Well, it ain't you that wakes me up at 3 a.m. And it ain't you that separates me from all my friends. And it ain't you that's got me living on caffeine and nicotine. It ain't you, Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffair for Hoffair's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffair's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. 
For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Jason Eady bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show, OK Whiskey, as we're about to talk about my Oklahoma leaf situation. I left you guys with a little bit of a cliffhanger last week as far as, well, the latest update that I had uh, with this whole nightmare of leasing land. Like I said, so envious of you folks who own land or have family land, or maybe you maybe you were smart and you married into it. Ah, yeah. But uh, anyway, it's insanely jealous. You guys are so blessed. Uh, but for the rest of us, there's Lone Star Ag Credit, right? They've been helping people finance their own slice of paradise for over 100 years. They will do the same for you. So if you're ready to make that plunge, whether it's for running cattle, recreating, hunting, or just to get the hell out of the big city for the weekend, Lone Star Ag Credit has you covered. And you can find them at LoneStarAdCredit.com. All right. Well, I went back and listened to last week's show so that I could uh, pick it up where we left off, and that was that I had threatened to sue my old landowner. And if you're just jumping into this whole deal, essentially our 930 acres, our whitetail paradise in Oklahoma, was sold, which is fine. Landowners have a right to sell land whenever they want to. Uh, but I have a written contract with the previous landowner, and he didn't tell us anything about having the property uh, for sale or under contract. So I'm literally hunting. I spend the night in my trailer. I come out the next day to go eat lunch with him and you know, or maybe go check on a different pasture. I don't even remember. But I was locked in the property because the new landowner had changed the locks. So I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, he comes over there, cuts the locks off with bolt cutters, and is like, oh, yeah, I sold the property. Like, okay, great. So where does that leave us? It's literally November 3rd. Deer season is in full swing. The bucks are starting to chase does, and I don't know if I'm even allowed to be out here. So, you know, talk to the new landowner. She's cool with us giving her the full amount, the entire year-long lease. She wants the whole thing. You know, we pay about $10 an acre, so you do the math. It's expensive, split between four guys. And uh, I said, okay, uh, I got to get the money from the old landowner, which I threatened him with legal action, which I hated to do because other than this old deal, he's been a pretty nice guy. Uh, but we had to get our money back if we we're getting screwed off of this property. Uh, so the wife and I went on our little vacation. There, the, the previous landowner's attorney told me that he had cut a check and that it would be here when I got back from the Dominican Republic. So... I get back from our anniversary trip. There is a check, which I'm not going to lie, kind of surprised me because I couldn't get an honest word out of anyone throughout this whole process. Turns out his attorney actually kept his word. So I, I have the check, and I am ready to give it to the new landowner. And this is knowing, at this point in time, I know that one feeder has been stolen, four trail cameras, and at least one bow stand because my buddy went to go get in his bow stand, and uh, it was gone. So it's either my old landowner 
who's trying to get everything off the property to sell it because he's got to be off by last Sunday at 3 p.m. according to the judge's court order. Or, and more likely and plausible, it's the new landowner or her kin that have been stealing this stuff. Uh, So I tell her, hey, look, we got a problem. I'm ready to give you this money, uh, but not only have some has someone been stealing our stuff, I also have photos, which my buddy who's on the lease and was hunting sent me, of a green four-wheeler and a trailer, which was probably used to haul out his bow stand, uh, in the pasture where my feeder is. Literally right there, 300 yards from my feeder. And uh, at this point, she's telling me none of her can have been out there, and I said, well, ma'am, I've got this photo of a four-wheeler. And she goes, oh, yeah, I know whose that is. I said, you see how we have a problem now? Because you're trying to charge me full price, and you're letting your kinfolk out here to have free run of the place. And they've stolen now our cameras. Well, I got a text from her. We just kind of left it hanging there. I got a text from her, and it it said, hey, don't worry about the money. You know, y'all just, uh, you're not going to be allowed to hunt this season. (laughs) Well, here's the reason why, guys, and why it's so sad that a big buck will make people act this way, but... They use theft. That's that's, and this is why I'm so mad still today. I've had a week to decompress, uh, but they stole our trail cameras, and one of the cameras was so old that they didn't even steal the camera. They just took the memory card out of it. That's how awful these people are. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But there is a non-typical buck on there. I think he's probably four and a half years old. I I would let him go. This is a once in a lifetime tier. And he's, I don't know how many points he has. It's maybe 20. <laughs> it's the buck that, the kind of buck that we've been waiting for to pop up on this lease. We've been managing it for the last four seasons. Well, this is our fourth. So the last three years, we've been taking care of these deer year-round, feeding them, only shooting mature bucks, taking our doe quota. And, uh, and, and, man, there's also a beautiful 10-point. There's a couple other really amazing bucks, but it's this one. And there's no doubt in my mind what happened. I mean, it's so easy to connect the dots. They stole the cameras, looked at the cards. Boom. Uh, we're going to hunt here. Okay, that's fine. But then don't try to take my money on top of it and still let your kin hunt. So at that point, <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, well, you know what? You weren't getting the money anyway. Once you let your family on there, that's that was enough for us. Uh, we're not going to be, and you can't, you can't, you can't have a lease like that where you share it with the landowner's family. It just won't, it will never work. Um, so, thank, thank you, David Lane and Caleb Van Brunt. I put a message out on Facebook that I needed to get my stuff off of there as fast as humanly possible. I put that out on like last Wednesday, and on Sunday, uh, Caleb brought a trailer. Dave rode down with me. We got my blind feeders and. Uh, even one of one of my buddy Jeff's feeders that he wasn't able to get because they put they nailed T posts down so that you couldn't open the gate from the outside. So I mean, I guess the intent was to keep Jeff's feeder because there's no way to get it. But the three of us walked 600 yards, took the feeder down, and carried it back to the road, and loaded it up. So we left the trailer there. <laughs> it's kind of sad. A little piece of me died having to leave it there, but it had taken on a little water damage and. It is what it is. It wasn't worth moving, but it sure was nice. A nice shelter from the elements when we were up there. So that is my lease experience. That's the end of the story. 
and I'm now looking for a new lease for next year. So if you know of anything, uh, <laughs> shoot me an email. But uh, I, like I said, certainly jealous of all you folks who have your own places that you that you or your family own. It is truly a luxury that uh, I am envious of. Maybe one day, you know, if I win the lottery, I'll buy me a place down in South Texas. <laughs> uh, but the reality is I'll probably just have to keep leasing because land is the one thing they're not making any more of, as I always say. And and I think that people that, you know, other hunters across the country who listen to the show and don't hunt in the South, they fail to understand that we don't have the, the big-time agriculture. We don't sit in bow stands overlooking a cornfield in Iowa or, or Illinois, which is where I'm heading next week, and I'll be doing that exact thing, which is great. Um, but it's certainly different, and it's all based on where you're from or where you live. I mean, that defines who we are as hunters more than anything else. And I've certainly branched out from that. I mean, my greatest trophies, my most proud hunting accomplishments have all occurred on public land. Um, but if I'd have been given the opportunity in a year or two to take that buck that I saw on camera and and watch him grow and invested the time, energy, blood, and sweat, and I don't want to say tears. There's no tears invested in this lease. Just at this point, a lot of anger and frustration. Um, but I would have put that right up there because it's a hell of a deal to to watch a buck grow and pass on him you know, year after year, hoping that he's there the next year because you never know what's going to happen. You could, you know, get booted off your lease in the blink of an eye, just like I did. So that's a wrap on the Oklahoma lease situation. And uh, no more crying over spilled milk. It is what it is. Uh, that segment of the show was proudly brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion, Texas, also with a location in San Antonio, Josh and Becky Gunther, I've been taking care of all of my taxidermy needs for seven years. I think maybe it's eight. I don't know. Time flies. But uh, there's no one else that I trust. I've been burned by taxidermists before with bad mounts or, you know, lack of communication. They won't return phone calls. One of them, after two years of telling me that he was working on my black buck, even gave me the entire cape and horns back in the same frozen trash bag I'd given it to him in two years prior so you don't get any of that crap with rustic reminders check it out you can find them at gr the number eight mounts.com unfortunately we've got to go got to get out of here flat out of time thanks to our guest today mark boardman of vortex optics also my sweet wife erin for jumping on and reflecting on her first offshore first and only i will say <laughs> offshore fishing experience uh, thanks to you guys and gals for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this broadcast possible. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Frozen canyon.